You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! And like, I gotta be real with you. Like, what's up with the vibrato all the time? Like, can't you just relax? It's like the the metal bands that use double bass all the time. Relax. (laughs) Just relax. Chill out. You don't have to sing like that. Mind blow about to happen. Vibrato is relaxation. It is your, your muscles periodically relaxing in your neck. That's when you've got strong, very nicely balanced muscles and uh, phonation, all the good stuff. When, when Ben sings, he has the opposite. He has veins popping out of every orifice <laughs> on his body. Oh, yeah, no, I have to do it until I blow out my vocal folds. And then I can't speak for three days. And, and Corey's psyched because he's just like, good, good. Mm-hmm. It's very relaxing for those three days. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza. I'm here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. How goes it? Hey, guys. I'm excited for this one. This was so fun. It's a good one. Yeah. This is is an example of knowing that we've got to the next level with the show. So if you haven't subscribed yet, 2020-d.com, because this came up in my Google feed. The charismatic voice came up in my feed, and I just went and saw it, and I became... So enamored with what uh, the charismatic voice uh, or Elizabeth Jaroff um, does. Yeah, I think you sent. I, I think you sent her. me like all her links at like four in the morning. Just like you're gonna watch Classic every ben one style. of these. <laughs> no, but they're amazing. And I mean, speaking of learning how to talk, wow, she has like the most soothing voice. Even when she was yeah. talking, I was like, wow, I need to tone it down. It's just like <laughs> she's so calm when she's talking, and it's so nice to listen to her. She reminds me so of the much. girls on Saturday Night Live that like pretend to be that calm, but she actually is that calm. And when she said that she moved to like become the voice of an artificial intelligence, I'm like, yeah, you'd be the Terminator that kills me. Yeah, <laughs> believe that. And it would be very relaxing as it murdered you. Yeah, yeah I'd be like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> but Don't listen, worry. The, uh, it's going black now. This episode, uh, we get to kind of get a little bit of her background, which we always like to do. But also, it's just a, a much different um, career trajectory than we're used to to you know, people we're talking with. This isn't, you know, a rock and roll story. This is this is a whole new Success path. Success comes in it's, all it's, shapes yeah. and sizes, ladies and gentlemen, and yeah, everyone like, in between. All shapes and sizes. So don't judge. She's so successful in her <laughs> own way because of her passion. And that's the subtext. Yeah. No, it, it was very cool to talk to someone that's a true like social media influencer, somebody that has a huge following. So Definitely tune in. But that sounds negative because she's so much better than that. She's of course. So no, I mean, it's so hard to put she's her in a category. So here we go. Part one with Elizabeth Jaroff of The Charismatic Voice. Hi, my name is Benny Goodman and welcome to 2020, a show that you can subscribe to on the internet at 2020-d.com. Give it a like, a share, just be be nice and kind to each other. Um, that said, I'd like to talk to my friends here, Corey Peza and Siobhan Cronin. How are you guys doing? 
Hey, good, Ben. I'm doing, excited for this yeah, today. Doing really well. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely this is a unique show. I'm, I'm I'm pumped to actually learn something instead of talking to all these like weird rock stars and stuff. <laughs> and you're probably wondering why my candor is so temperate, and it's because our guest this week ha- relaxes me from the second oh. she speaks. From the second she speaks, I stop what I'm doing. She's also and a go, true oh, professional. That's so okay. nice. <laughs> that helps. That's so nice. And her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I, I did say your first name. Elizabeth Jaroff. She is Whoa. the charismatic voice. And I say that because if, <laughs> if you don't know who she is, you may have seen her if you go on YouTube and type in charismatic voice because she has millions and millions of views because she talks about music from the perspective of a classical opera sp- a singer and coach. And you're... The only way I can describe it, you're like the Bob Ross of talking about (laughs) heavy metal and other music, but specifically heavy metal, because I've never heard somebody so whimsical and relaxed. Just like, you know, I really loved when Bruce Dickinson just opened up his vocal folds. It was fantastic (laughs) the way he hit the gallows pole. And I've never heard it. So ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the charismatic voice, Elizabeth Jaroff. Hi guys! <laughs> Pretty epic uh, that introduction. That was such an awesome introduction. Thank you so much, Betty, yeah. and thank you for pronouncing my name beautifully, correctly. Wow, wow! You got the French "j" right on. Yeah, it's all. This is something it's all I understand. Here, so yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. My my name is often butchered. Was, so was that a I've gotten zing? so used to it. A zing! Yeah, totally. <laughs> Boom. I Nailed love that it. she got it. She was fast. She's fast, guys. Maybe we need to hire her. Oh, she's a pro. <laughs> So, Elizabeth, as the other classical musician in the room, I want to ask, how did you go from, you know, going to school to be a singer to getting into the space of the influencer space, making videos? Because I feel like from my perspective, classical music education, like, you know, being in kind of the same generation, it was like a far distant world. I feel like my education was like so in the box, you know, you get out, you want to get an orchestra job. And the idea of like, turning to the internet to build a career was just not even really discussed. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was not a thing when I got my degree. It just, it wasn't. Uh, I definitely think uh, classical music, like it was, it set me down a great path to go sing in opera houses. Um, And that was able to provide with like tons of experience. That was super cool. But I think that it just comes from a background of always being hungry to learn and loving new technology at the same time. So essentially, you know, I, I was already a gamer way back in, in middle school, high school. I was, you know, playing the StarCraft. It was very fun. Uh, Protoss, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I loved technology. And so while I was getting the degrees, I was also, you know, doing things like composing at the same time. But then I got very focused and went bam, into opera, started doing the little singing internationally thing. And then while I was singing internationally, I was playing a video game. It was called Braid. If you've ever played it, it's like an indie video game that plays with the mechanisms of time. Really, really cool. And there was a song in it, and I heard it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I composed something like that on the piano the other day. What if I could write music for video games? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started looking into it, and... Uh, and I started, uh, I did some extra schooling through Berkeley Online to get some music technology under my belt. You know, at conservatories at the time, they weren't teaching things like DAWs or... Absolutely. You know, I'm taking pro- classes through Berkeley Online right now. So that's very cool. 
Oh, Very cool that's that you did awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. I love, love, love what they do. You guys can just that send was... me a check and I'll just send you like a, a window of an <laughs> Apple screen with the wheel, pinwheel of death doing nothing. And that's your education. Just that's look Pro at Tools that for, for yeah. 10 hours <laughs> and then realize that your song is destroyed and have to start all over. <gasps> oh, You're welcome. That hurts. That hurts. <laughs> that's but what I'm happens. sorry. Go on. in Sibelius too, though. If you're yeah. like notating oh, yeah. music the classical fashion, it happens there too. I know. It happened three <laughs> times on the same song for me once. Oh, boy. So anyway, so, sorry, we didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> oh, no worries. Oh, yeah, she no doesn't worries. understand that I, I take people down a digression and that she has to return back to her train of thought after I've completely derailed her. Yeah, part of this is a memory game, remembering where you left off before he curb stomps the conversation. Yeah, it's like seventh guest. You kind of have to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you have to like the puzzle. Guest. Isn't that an, wasn't that an awesome <laughs> Thank game? Thank you. It was such a good game. It had good sound too. Um, and I five the... CDs, so you knew it was badass. Like Phantasmagoria right. had eight CDs. So you're like, that's that's All huge. Them? Like what the hell requires eight CDs? But the right. seventh guest, had the graphics on it were like out of this world. They were so good. And then you go back to it and you're like, well, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, no, it was good. Uh, so, uh, well, video games, that that was sort of my re-entry into uh, music technology, which is strange for a lot of people, but I love it. And I learned more about video games and the software behind them. And I started uh, reading more about things like middleware, which is this, I feel like it's just one of the things that's trans uh, transforming how music is Is that near Middle today. Earth? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it's the things that they wear. So you're going to find lots of mithril armor. Like LARP. At, like LARPing, right? Yeah, LARPing? exactly. Kay. Where? <laughs> yes, Let's go. Uh, it's actually some software that oh. essentially, um, like, it goes between, it, like, works with the game engine so that it can produce sounds on the fly or can create, essentially, adaptive music. So instead of having so wait, it's in between is... the engines, so it's like the clutch. Oh, Ben, why don't you just let her finish talking? <laughs> she's she's going to get there. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand. She's talking in like so are these the listeners, but they're not like getting out there concepts. And I'm just yeah. my small mind. I'm a guitarist. Like, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Oh, no. I'm, a, oh, I'm a guitarist. Oh, oh, so I, I I'm only able to, <laughs> ca- um, to palpable so much at once. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll try to guitarify it a little, a little bit. Thank you for, for the, for the so dumb people about... on this call. Like, video game music before was loops, right? Like, you play your four chords, and then you go back and play those four chords again. Huh? Huh? Guitar? Huh? <laughs> so, anyhow, you, uh, it was all based on, on looping music. There was often maybe a minute and a half or something. It wasn't very complicated. And way back when, you only had so many sounds you could use. But then technology evolved a bunch. It was really cool because you got this software that kind of sits in between and the game engine is creating the graphics and generating whatever's happening in the game. But this middleware, it's stuff like FMOD or WISE, looks like WISE, but it's just pronounced WISE. Um, those, these middleware, uh, they essentially can help compose or change the music while you're going around in the game. So that every time you play it, you have a different sort of score that's happening. And they do that by taking music and not only making it linear so it has maybe a time mechanism but they'll stack it and make it more vertical so they might do things like fade in the drums when you're getting really close to a big boss or maybe they have the violin when there's a fairy nearby or something like that so it started changing how people would compose music especially when you look at transition points um, like where harmonically where can I shift from this point to maybe another vertical composition at a different land in the game 
you're you're literally saying that like interactive music that changes based on what's happening with the architecture yeah. of of the uh, of what's going on in the game and the music changes in real time based on what you're doing. Yeah. That's yeah, that's like isn't that Terminator? So cool. Isn't that the movie Terminator? <laughs> like, like don't AI. they become intelligent and run us and kill us all and James Cameron makes a ton of money? Yeah, and that's actually the next way that this path took. I ended up kind of traveling all around but also composing for video games and uh, and then doing a little bit of work for things like VR at the same time, looking at how I could involve more voice into it as well. Did a little bit of VO in there. And then uh, while I was at LA Opera, AI came knocking on the door. I had met someone in Silicon Valley that was running a company that wanted to make an AI voice for cars, uh, self-driving cars in particular. So I uh, think like Siri or Alexa, but in a car that you're riding in that doesn't have a driver. And, uh, and they approached me and said, hey, would you be the voice on this project? And then we used my opera skills and I got to teach the computer how to understand us through things like IPA, which is not a beer, but is the international phonetic <laughs> alphabet. Well, it's also a beer. Yes. <laughs> but it was really cool because we got to teach a computer using my weird opera skills. Of so you're languages. teaching the Terminator how to kill us? Yes, well, I mean, them. to kill us best, it has to understand us first. So, yes. <laughs> At what point in your uh, career is this? So, I think this is around 2016 to 18, I think, is when I was at LAO. And around 2018 is okay. when I actually left LA Opera to pursue that full time with the company Speak With Me. But I had already started at that point a YouTube channel, and that's kind of where we see this big shift because I felt like opera in the classical domain, I love reaching people with opera. Okay, don't get me wrong. Like, it gives you goosebumps. It just shakes your bones. It's amazing. But I felt like it was a little bit confining. I just wanted to reach more people. It's a very limited audience in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you you know exactly yeah. what I mean. It's it, It's very niche. So I can I barely to listen expand. to a song that's seven minutes long, nevertheless, 49 <laughs> minutes long. And like, I got to be real with you. Like, what's up with the vibrato all the time? Like, can't you just relax? It's like the, the metal like bands it. that use double bass all the time. Relax. <laughs> just relax. Chill out. You don't have to Dude, sing like that. Mind blow about to happen. Vibrato is relaxation. It is your, your muscles periodically relaxing in your neck. That's when you've got strong, very nicely balanced muscles and uh, phonation, all the good stuff. When, but when Ben sings, relaxation. he has the opposite. He has veins popping out of every orifice on his body. Oh, no, no, I have to do it until I blow out my vocal folds. And then I can't speak for three days. And, and Corey's psyched because he's just like, good, good. Mm -hmm. It's very relaxing for those three days. <laughs> there you go. Until you have to edit my vocals. Yes. Then I live forever. <laughs> but it's quite, so, so yeah, the, um, that is quite recently, just a few years ago. And yeah. so what was the uh, motivation to start the YouTube channel in the first place? Well, motivation for the YouTube channel is really something that was about vocal education. So if you look on there, it, it was especially because as I had gotten to know a lot of video game composers, they were asking me about how to write for vocalists better. So I started down that route started talking about different kinds of voice categories or different vocal exercises. Uh, and yeah, ultimately it was a goal to serve what I saw as like a, a gap in knowledge. And, uh, and then it was actually at a game sound convention, game sound con in LA uh, when I was still at LA opera and I met a guy named Sean Daniel. He's a YouTuber guitar channel. 
He's hilarious. He is, like, he is charismatic. <laughs> the staple of. And he was at the this game sound convention, and uh, Marty O'Donnell was somebody I'd walked up to at a game sound convention a few years before. He wrote the soundtrack for Halo. Do you know, like, the monk oh, chant? Well, that was yeah, Marty. Yeah. Um, he gave the keynote at a convention a few years before and talked about this piano concerto that I'd worked on too. And so I went up to him afterwards and was like, oh my God, it's so hard, but it's so amazing. It's such a good payoff. And so we just hit it off and uh, had been friends since. And he knew that I was working on the YouTube channel. So he introduced me to, to Sean. And that night, Sean went back and he looked at my YouTube channel and he came back to me and he said, this, 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 this. And these are all the things you need to do to be better. Like good content but you need to work on your thumbnails. <laughs> that's amazing. I, like, I find it. <laughs> right. Well, that's how I feel like now. I mean, the, the world of YouTube and influencing is so foreign to me still. And it's amazing. There, there are all these things that go into it. And it's, that's so cool that you got that early guidance, you know, to like think about yeah. things that you might not think like as a musician, like, oh, it only matters that I'm putting out good music. Well, or you know, what's also this, cool is the fact mm-hmm. that she took the guidance, but it actually worked because I, I, you know, as you watch your channel, you're like, guys, and you keep talking about these milestones you're hitting. And it's just like, you're just smashing yeah. it out of the park. You're like, I don't know how I got this many followers. <laughs> and like, literally, I it think was the thumbnails. It was as, the thumbnails. Of, as of today. Yeah, it was the thumbnails. As of today, I think you're at almost, almost 400,000 followers and i'm like congratulations i'm like my mom can't make that many fake accounts (laughs) (laughs) right she's pretty smart the crazy thing is i i was doing it for two years before i hit a stride so i think that lots of people think oh i'm gonna get on youtube and it's gonna be great right away and the truth is there is a learning curve like my early videos the production quality is awful uh, the audio is okay actually but (laughs) the video is so terrible so uh, yeah, it definitely takes some time. That might be a good kind of um, jumping off point for that. For someone that is looking to start a YouTube channel, um, what would what do you think are like the basic criteria? Obviously, like, like you said, you saw a gap in knowledge and that was kind of your motivation yeah. to get started. What, what would you give to someone, you know, advice to someone that's thinking like, I have this thing that I don't think anyone else is doing. Um, mm-hmm. what, what would you say to that person? Well, I think it really depends on what their goal with it is. You know, if a person is looking to to make money off of YouTube, there are ways to do that where you're really using ad monetization or something like this. Um, if they're looking to just gain a large following, uh, maybe as a musician, cover songs tend to, you know, work pretty well. So it's it's when you're thinking about the content, it's, well, what's your purpose with this content? Uh I don't know if anybody should go into YouTube thinking I'm going to make tons of money. Right. I just. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like that's like music there. in general. I think yeah, <laughs> if, if right? too, like that's the worst motivator. If, like, I'm that's just going to start a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and a bridge. Well, let me ask, let me ask but, you. So you, you mentioned having a gap in not, you know, there's a gap in knowledge. What was one of your mm-hmm. early motivating factors? Like what, like your early content, what were you trying to do at the beginning that maybe changed later on? Like now you're doing a lot of the reaction mm-hmm. videos and yeah. really bringing in a lot of your knowledge about classical technique and stuff. So when you started yeah. out, like what was your original model? Okay, that's such a that's a good question. There's actually a very defining moment where I switched um, just basically train of thought. And I, initially, I was thinking, what should people know about? You know, what 
what do they need to know to get to be better com- at composing or just understand and appreciate voice more? Um, and then I was at NAM, another convention, again with Sean and a bunch of guitar YouTubers. And, uh, and somebody said, well, you know, what about these reactions? And my husband had mentioned reactions before to me, and I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. He said, well, why don't you turn it? It's trending. And I kept hearing, it's trending, it's trending, it's trending. I'm like, well, I don't know if I really want to be trending. I want to offer something that is more. Essentially, instead of me saying what people should know about, I need to go ask people what they want to know about. Say, what can I do for you? Not what can, not what do I think you need, but what do you want? Um, and then take whatever it is that people are wanting. If they're wanting reaction videos, okay, well, how can I make those reaction videos give a twist to it and make it something that I really value, which is uh, musical appreciation and vocal appreciation. And so the first one I did was a breakdown of a bunch of Fifth Element uh, diva dance singers. And I said, okay, well, this is like how they're doing it. And this is what they did here. And this is why this one's so cool. And this one's so cool in this way. And then it just, that's when it started the ball rolling. So I think like a really big blocker to a lot of people is putting out content that they say, everyone should love this. And in, instead sort of turning around and saying, what is, what is trending and how can I make that something that is unique to me? Well, that's really important. You just nailed it because the thing that I love about your channel is because you are so insanely passionate about voice and so learned because like one of the things that I loved was I was watching. So one of the things that made me realize how kindred spirits you are with Siobhan, because I love watching Siobhan. She's been learning a lot of guitar solos on the violin and she's always like, Oh wow. I really <laughs> love cool. how Randy Rhodes did this, this, this diminished thing. It's, it's fantastic. And it's like, she's discovering stuff I've been listening to since I was like seven. And I kind of feel the same thing with you, but like I was watching the hot, the hot Halloween. I watched episode. it. Yeah, that one was and, and um, first off, you said like his voice sounded healthy and he was singing like, and I, mm-hmm. I really say like, it sounds like Bob Ross. Cause you're like, he can go anywhere. You could do anything with this voice. You, can, <laughs> you could literally, you could sing this way. You could, you could, and his, his volume here is the same as the volume there, but this is where it changed for me. Siobhan and I love owls. There's very few things in this world that I love more than owls. In fact, <laughs> this is completely I, unrelated, I Ben. A cro- I even had a crocheted owl made for Siobhan because I know that of all the things I could possibly get her, <laughs> this is the best. But I've seen this character in your videos. There is one thing that I do love more than owls, and that is red pandas. <gasps> and you literally. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just like a second. I know. <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh, here we this go. girl's okay. got me figured out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the thing is, my favorite photo I've ever taken of all time is not only just a red panda sitting at the zoo, which is sad, but with, with its tongue sticking out, like, it's no, uh, and it's my favorite photo I've ever, I've, of anything, is a red panda with its tongue sticking out at me. And I thought that, <laughs> that that was literally the best contribution to the world that I've ever achieved. And then I see your video, and you're not only talking about the red panda, I was like listening to it as, I, and then I look at it, and I'm like, she's dressed as a red panda. Yeah. And she's listening to Halloween, panda. and I'm like, well, this is why, because you're the great white buffalo, because every metal dude ever is like, man, I just wish, I wish some, some 
smart person would talk to me about Halloween and why I like this guy's <laughs> voice and I like <laughs> pandas, but they're not really pandas. But like red pandas, the kind of they're cute. They're more like foxes. But then Halloween is great, and he's kind of like Dio. But one thing I want to tell you about Dio: <laughs> if you sing like Halloween. It's because you're inspired by Dio. And if you say yeah. anything otherwise, you're lying. <laughs> so yeah, if you learned anything, like take that from here. <laughs> Got no, it. but to, dov- to dovetail on that, what I love about what you do, which I relate to on the violin side, is it's very cool to hear you kind of break down the barrier of understanding the virtuosity behind what metal musicians do and what rock musicians do and mm. just any musicians. Because, you know, coming from like the violin classical world, a lot of people, there's a stigma, right? You look at pop music and it's like, oh, that's easy. Or video game music, oh, that's, you know, you're a sellout, you know, something like that. And I think it's so cool that you're really like breaking it down and like pointing out that these are really amazing things that that these people are doing, like technical things and Mm -hmm. translating that to the layperson. you know? To take a step back in your own musical development, like, uh, you know, going way back, what was your introduction to music in general? And like, you know, how does that, uh, you know, applied to what you do today. Is Did that- you steal Siavon's question? I don't think she asked a question. No, no but I'm saying that's so no, no, Siobhan, no, no, like commenting. that's Siobhan territory. Isn't that like, isn't that what she's supposed to do? That's we're, like our we're un- a team. We're a team. We're, it's oh, always okay. a layup. So, so the Velociraptor was looking at me as you were talking. Okay. <laughs> Point being, I, I think, you know, for anyone that hasn't checked out your channel, they, they should do that immediately. But, you know, your insight on the, you know, more extreme types of music is so cool because of like Siobhan, you, it doesn't seem like you had that experience when you were younger. Is that is that the case? Yeah, that is that is the case. Uh, my so I would put really my my childhood was very very much classical. Uh, my mom was a piano and voice teacher. I was already winning competitions for piano in seventh grade. And it was just like. I was. Oh, and now you're a pianist that's better than me. I, I <laughs> no, because Siobhan literally for like two years let me think that I was a great pianist, and she's just a violinist. So together we are violinists and a pianist. Before I, she sits down at the piano and absolutely murders me. She's like, I'm not yeah. really a pianist, and I'm like, then what does that make me? And now not only are a million times better vocalist, now she's a professor. I'm leaving, guys. I'm, o- I'm over this. I'm over it. Well, but here's the thing. Um, Sort of, there's sort of like a little spot kind of in the middle here before I went like much more YouTube and online teaching. I was still doing a lot of teaching in LA while I was working uh, with the AI company, right? And I ended up at a place called 1500 Sound Academy. And there's some some big names there. Um, like uh, if you think about, uh, man, you guys might not know him. Um, so like Pops Dobson. Larry Dobson was there. Uh, he was like one of the guys that brought Motown to the LA area at one point. And, um, and his son, Rance, uh, was, he did boot up. He was the main producer on that, uh, with LMA. That's a good tune. That's a good tune. Yeah. Right. Right. My so, fiance uh, used to jam that all day. She's like, I love it. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I think you had James, uh, Father Roy there as well. And, uh, so there was just a bunch of really big names at this, uh, this place. And I essentially like apprenticed for a while and I taught some voice lessons on my own there and apprenticed under Pops as well, working in different styles of music, like working in R&B and in pop and uh, learning how to play piano his way, uh, which I have massive respect for. Uh, Rants and Pops can't read music. They, they just go all by ear. They listen to something. They pick out the chords. They do all kinds of fancy things with it. Like... 
Pops will kill it on the piano. I have nothing on him. If you go to any sort of soul, R&B, Motown, any of those songs, even if you gave me sheet music that I'd studied for years, he would slay it every time better than me. So uh, there's a different there's different kinds of piano playing is what I'm trying to say. Siobhan's yeah. better at all of them. Yeah. No, no, but this is why. No, that's why I started to learn jazz, like, and take some lessons because it and is and jazz like, now. Which is the no, ultimate form of yeah. being an asshole musician is playing jazz. I, but it's not to try and be an asshole. It's just to understand because that's what, one thing that I've learned. That's why I wanted to learn the guitar solos because I'm so impressed by that. Like people that will come up with these amazing licks out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, and I've spent my whole life reading sheet music. And like when you tell me to compose something, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do the classical language. And I wanted to learn. It's just learning the language, you know, mm-hmm. a different style of musical approach. Yeah, Exactly. And just that. before before Ben jumped in the last time, uh, so you were talking about uh, your classical, you know, background from very young age, you know, when you were seven, oh, yeah. doing that. And so, I guess, at any point, were you aware of these other styles and like what was your view of them? What was like metal, like this, like dirty, like thing that, that you had to stay away from? Are you projecting, Corey? <laughs> kind of a little bit. Okay, yeah. here's a couple things in here. I was doing lots of classical. I also was at church a lot. Mm-hmm. My grandpa, Southern Baptist minister, sang in a barbershop quartet called The Living Waters, and they did, yes. like, uh, revivals, kind of, going around. Anyhow, so really big influence there in acapella music at an early age. And I was in a trio throughout high school as well, like, really very, very much acapella, church, had a little bit of country or folk in there, too, and classical. My brother listened sometimes to Tool in the car, which is probably why my husband was acceptant of me at some point, because I was like, okay, yeah, but Tool's okay, but I don't know about some of the other things, but he yeah. loves Tool. So uh, I did, I think, have some early seeds planted in some metal, and I, he listened to a couple other things, too. Um, I'm blanking on what it was that he listened to, but he had a few things. I heard Evanescence in high school. I was into the radio a little bit, too, you know, at dances and whatnot. Um, but I would say overall, my ears were mostly rock and metal virgin. <laughs> so right. that's Maybe why it's so same. much fun on the channel right now. I'm like, guys, I, I, yeah, I don't know no, who Dio is. And then amazing. <laughs> he's so amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a, that brings me to a really important question. So I, I really enjoy discovering metal again because it is like a virgin it's like you know like it's very first time through you you know you're like oh this dying bad guy cemetery gates is this is this about like no this is like 17 years before that but like that's adorable that you would say that um (laughs) but with like dio like so he's a guy for example i always call him the freddie mercury of metal because yeah that's accurate because when i saw ryan james dio he was like five five like little guy but like you could hear him 30 rows back, like over the PA system. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, like literally you could hear him 30 rows back at Harbor Lights in Boston over the PA system, over Tony Iommi. Like that's the level of loud that man was and he was able to project. And the thing is with him, I mean, he was so by the book, like, oh, on this next number and this next number, like, he had his, like, whole thing. So, like, there was no, like, real improv other than, like, Boston, you've been great tonight and I'm fantastic. And he, he was so matter. But then when he sang, it was like a door to another world. 
and I I just thought the ability to emote and here and the thing was is I I'm a guy so as John Garabedian the the crazy amazing super awesome DJ who's a friend of ours who's um you know always says that you know women tend to gravitate towards lyrics whereas men tend to gravitate towards um you know melodies um like guitar solos and stuff but I know that with the classical world like you know Siobhan is on the same level and that she it's and I love watching you because you're like okay I tried listening to the lyrics but I I couldn't help (laughs) but notice this melody is so awesome and you get so excited and it's like yeah it's Dio it's Ronnie James. Like it's like me saying to you, like the Pope's holy. Like is that redundant enough for you? Like like Dio is he's. But what's it like when you hear all these people? Is there someone that you've gone and said, I now Dio is the guy I set the bar for all other metal singers. Like is there someone you've discovered you're like this guy just reigns supreme or this girl mm-hmm. reigns supreme for you? Yeah, well, I think Dio for me has been probably the best metal vocalist. Um, but also understanding like after hearing him, that he's been the example for so many. Um, And of course, there are other styles of vocalists where they're doing an amazing job. So I I leave room for that. Everybody's got different things that they're doing. But if I were to say like, oh my gosh, like this is the metal vocalist that can teach opera singers how to sing. That's Dio. Um, I think that uh, So Hyung was very, very, uh, I feel underappreciated. She's a Korean singer and she just uh, I did a, a reaction recently at Bridge Over Troubled Water. She's able to belt so high um, and she just has the most beautiful like joyous face all the time. Her her goal is to basically spread joy and kindness. It's, it's like oh my gosh I love you so much. So she's kind of like a Whitney Houston um, Essentially, um, but she's amazing. I don't know why she's not better known. I'm really that's blown a, yeah, away I've by her. Never For heard me, of her. she's one of those female vocalists that sets the bar. Um, so if I was to say, you know, Whitney Houston sets the bar, I think that she probably belts higher than Whitney Houston even. It's crazy. Really, really nuts. I feel yeah. like when I've listened, so I'm actually a guy that I, I, I don't even get annoyed if I'm waiting in a Bank of America, if someone's playing I Want to Dance with somebody who loves me on repeat <laughs> in front of me, I'll listen to it all day because I love Whitney Houston. But yeah. one thing, I used to always think to myself because when I grew up, I love Whitney Houston. I love Mariah Carey because yeah. b- while I was listening to Iron Maiden, I was listening to um, Hero. And I, but I always thought to myself, now that I've gone back and listened, that Mariah Carey, the ability to go from her head voice to her chest voice to belting things, and all, so much more technical, like a Christina Aguilera, Aguilera or, a, yeah. or Ariana Grande, whereas I feel like Whitney Houston is the girl in church that just owns it and has soul, but like she's not the same level of technicality uh, as you know somebody like an Ariana Grande who can literally do anything, like acrobatics with her voice. Ah, so I would say like Whitney Houston isn't up there using her whistle register, which is that super, super high one, which is what you're referring to. Uh, Ariana Grande uses that. Mariah Carey uses that. Uh, Morissette Amon is a Filipino singer that uses that and is very, very good as well. Uh, I don't think that So Young actually uses that either. But for me, like knowing how to sing and whistle a little bit, I feel like it's a trick. It's like, like finger a, like tapping? A, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, it's cool, but... Give me, like, how much emotion can you impart? Um, And uh, when you talk about different registers, I'm wondering how high can one register or another register go? How low can that one go? So it's, um, 
it's sort of understanding what the voice is normally able to do. And maybe you had that like trick in your pocket of whistle as well. But uh, when you have the flawlessness of all of that register transition and the beautiful, beautiful emotion and message behind it, like where you can like, like you can say a single word and it gives you goosebumps. Like that's amazing. Have you seen the David Foster documentary? No. What? Okay. Uh, it, one of my favorite scenes. He, so he produ- uh, he produced the uh, the bodyguard soundtrack, and mm-hmm. um, it, it, Kevin Costner had suggested that um, that they do the first uh, verse acapella, and he was like viciously against it, viciously against it. And um, Clive Davis was like, "No, nah, you're gonna do it." And you listen. You don't, you, don't, you don't say no to Clive Davis. And he was like, he was like, you know, if you've ever seen him, he he throws things. He's angry. He's very uh, has a lot of bravado and muchismo as a producer. But when it came out, he said his phone has never rung so many times to tell him how wrong he was because they're like that first minute when yeah, there's no instrumentation and she's just singing. And you can hear her breathe. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it now because I literally go around yeah. on my hoverboard just listening to <laughs> I Will Always Love You on repeat because I can I could never get enough of her voice. It's literally like cocaine for me. Mm. Okay, well, enough That's about fair. you, Ben. Let's go yeah. back to Elizabeth. So I want to go back to, <laughs> since we got a little bit derailed, I'd like to go back to what you were talking about when you first started doing the reaction videos because I'm curious to hear, you said you were a little bit like not sure about it at the outset. And mm-hmm. I want to hear what it was like when you were first starting and how it felt to do that. And did it take you a while to feel like that was your space, like own it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I felt like the first one with the fifth element diva dance was a little bit of an experiment, but uh, it felt really good to do. It felt really good to essentially take my knowledge and, and put it with something that was a little bit more resonating with other people. And uh, the Dimash, I got into Dimash Kudai Bergen afterwards, who is another amazing, amazing vocalist. Now, when you're saying resonating, are we talking in 440? Is it 442? Is it with the world and the universe? <sighs> Just sympathetic vibrations. Okay, cool. <laughs> with everything. Is it good vibrations like Mark Wahlberg? Uh, I Good vibrations, yes. Not like that store, but like, yeah, like between people. <laughs> okay, anybody who gets that is going to die of laughter. Um, so, <laughs> anyhow, the uh, I think that I fell into the groove really quickly actually because i i want to make sure that i'm true to me and that what i'm doing is providing more value to a person that is watching um i've never really liked reactions where people go ooh and ah and make faces if i make faces it, it that's just me it's not something where i'm trying to put on a face my face has been nurtured since a very young age i think to be way way expressive and i get in trouble for it a lot um so having the expressive face was just sort of like there. But adding the knowledge to it and talking about things immediately in this different way, I felt like it added value right away and it brought people into uh, this universe of like, wow, the voice is really cool. <laughs> and so um, it felt like I would say within a few that I found a groove there and uh, I had gotten some good advice from some other YouTubers as well to do them in one takes. So I'll do, okay. in recording them, I do the intro and the outro separately because sometimes I need to do those a few times uh, where I'm talking about like introducing the song and giving all the background. Of course, I'll make a lot of mistakes in there. 
So sometimes I'll have 20 intros, sometimes I'll have two. But we'll pick the best one. And then we do the actual reaction to the song itself in just one first time straight through. I will confess there have been less times than fingers on one hand <laughs> when I've had to go back and do something, usually because partway through uh, a technical error came up. Like, yeah. oh no, my mic stopped working. Things yeah. like that. We're very that familiar happened. very familiar with technical <laughs> errors on the show. Yeah. Right? I'm sorry, but, I can't hear uh, you. What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My internet's cutting. Are you guys there? <laughs> oh, awful. Awful. Uh, I think that challenging myself to do that all the way through without, you know, pre-watching a video and getting to that right away was very important. And it made it so that I could be uh, authentic mm -hmm. and yeah. become comfortable with it right away. Hold on. Can we slow that yeah. down? So... Are you suggesting to the people that may be listening and or watching um, that if you want or one of the keys to being successful is being able to do things um, first off off the cuff. So having the ability to improv and do things in a take, not only for editing purposes, but also for the passion and to be authentic, because I, I completely agree that not only do you not want to sit there and just cut yourself up a million times, that seems so much more contrived on your head. I mean, I usually just say something offensive, so Corey just has to do it, or he cuts to somebody else. Um, but with you, I, I love that because it does seem so genuine that at times I almost question it, but like you literally sometimes just stop it. And, and, and I get so excited too, because the people that, you have so many people uh, writing into you that the masses are smart enough to know that you should be talking about someone like Devin Townsend and you even interviewed the guy. And like, for me, like to have a classical trained vocalist talking to a guy like Devin Townsend, and I guess demystifying a voice to me that like, if there's any trick or treat, if you will, in vocals, like a guy that I guess I don't understand what the flippity hell he's doing half the time <laughs> yeah. and his ability to go from such a operatic uh, voice to such a, a great pop voice to like this demonic metal, but yet somehow he's hitting notes like in this right. crazy <laughs> voice. And you like, again, demystify that in the same way I say it was tantamount to watching Chopped where they're like, this is umami. It has a fish flavor, <laughs> but yet it's very whole. Like, can you speak to that? Like, how did you develop that ability to take the, that knowledge and then extrapolate it for people in a digestible way? Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think, well, I, I think there's a few things that contributed to that, but it isn't something that I very intentionally worked on. I have been teaching for a long time. You know, I started teaching dance when I was 13. So oh, of course you did. <laughs> swing dancing it was fun tell um, me more how you and Siobhan are ta more talented than Corey and I all yeah. the time like what else do you how many languages do you know Elizabeth oh like know or have sung in oh Jesus <laughs> <laughs> it's a legit question okay no I'm gonna say no because you know you could sing in languages and learn it phonetically mm -hmm. so forget I mean forget that how many languages yeah. do you know Elizabeth that I know, know that I could have conversations in it would be English, German, French, Italian. So just the four there. I just, can the, just, just the four. <laughs> she wins. I can't even speak in English properly. Like what? <laughs> I don't even know how to use an ellipsis. I didn't know. What, I thought that was a phase of the moon until like a week ago. But that's, it's a thing you have to study. Like that's, it's part of opera singer training because we sing in so many languages. Uh, sure. And it's funny when you first go to a school that's really into opera, you don't 
go to your Italian class first. You go to your English class first. <laughs> you learn how to properly pronounce English words while you're singing opera. That's a thing. <laughs> so I know it's it's very strange. Um, but and then everything on the paper required. is in Latin. Oh well, some things aren't. Yeah. You all. The end. She's gonna get into it and tell me like, no, that's not all Latin. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love giving people false news, and then like someone has to explain like you why also it's like so interrupting wrong. your own answer to your yeah, own question. Yeah, I don't even know what your original <laughs> so question was. <laughs> Haven't you watched the show, Corey? I try not to if I don't have to. <laughs> no, but I think to reiterate what you were asking and, and what I think you want to know is, you know, how did you figure out how to do something off the cuff without, because I find that it's really hard to do something off the cuff without being too wordy, you know, or mm-hmm. having a bunch mm-hmm. of extra garbage that you don't have to cut out. And I think that mm-hmm. it's very hard to know as you're going, just like your first run through, like exactly what you need to say. And did it take you a while to get into that pattern of sort of having a format for how you do your reactions or is it just kind of organic each time? Uh, So I think that uh, I grew up in a family that was also of teachers. My mom and dad, dad was teaching middle school. So both teachers, I understood a little bit about teaching already at that point. And I feel like a lot of times in the video, it's just taking moments from the singers to teach about what they're doing or from the music to teach about what's happening there. And uh, I think that I developed that as well, just from teaching individual students a bunch or, or classes. But then another thing that's interesting is when you do, I don't, I'm sure it's the same for violin, actually. You must have master classes where you sure, yeah. have somebody play like within yeah, your Siobhan's studio. Yeah, Siobhan's the one teaching it. She's a master. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, it's sometimes, but no, but exactly. Yeah, where a bunch of people come with prepared pieces and there's somebody that hears you play. Yeah, so, and critiques you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like a, a sort of like a group class, essentially. And I have been to so many of those. That was just, I have had at least a decade of regular master classes. You know, we're talking when you're in college, it's at least weekly. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think having, hearing people and critiquing it in that situation and hearing the master critique it and eventually getting to the decision where I get to critique um, my group of students, having that preparation uh, it, it's very easy to go and listen to a song and really listen to the voice and say, oh, I hear this, this, and this, and this. And then in my head say, okay, now who am I talking to? Do I want to use this kind of language or this kind of language to relate that idea? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. why I feel like you're like Bob Ross because when I, I, <laughs> I watch him all, listen, I, I love him. There's nobody in this world that I, I think is just a, like Mr. Rogers and Bob Ross are just like, if everyone could be those people, and I don't mean male or female, I mean just like the spirit of those people um, and their, their creativity and the love that they spread through teaching. But Bob Ross, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that you know, like was a drill sergeant. And then uh, when he got back from war, um, he said, I don't want to yell at people anymore. I just want to help animals. And all the money he ever made <laughs> from, from teaching, uh, from doing all the paint, uh, literally went to animals. But what he did, was the whole time was tell you about how you could make your own world and tell people to be creative and to give people like that push into like, you can do this too. If you make a Z, you can also make a tree. You know, like, and and with you, I feel like you've taken things that so many times I would walk away and go, Bruce Dickinson, forget it, dude. (laughs) And you're like, no, no, no. It's really cool what he does, but like, listen to it and blah, 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 blah. And you slow me down. You take my BPM of my of my heart and you bring it down at least fifteen, 
and you just <laughs> slow me down and, and, and you tell me that metal's gonna make it all right. <laughs> and I've been knowing that all of my life that metal was gonna make it all right, but hearing you say it makes me believe it. <laughs> that was probably the greatest uh, paragraph of compliment I've had. <laughs> He's well, yeah, he's one for the paragraphs for yeah. sure. And we appreciate you <laughs> taking his uh, energy down any level. It's, it's <laughs> it makes him much more tolerable. We're not general. able to do it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, how? I, oh no, go ahead, Corey. No, well, I'm just trying to try to see if I can find back to where there was some sort of actual content we were discussing. Um, Semblance well, of meaning. So I was curious to ask. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Go no, ahead, Corey. You have a question, Siobhan, You're probably got a more intelligent thing that you're going to say. So. <laughs> no, no. But so you mentioned that you got some guidance from other YouTubers. I'm curious. Yeah. At what point did you start getting feedback from the people watching you, like your followers? And was it oh. helpful feedback? Did that help kind of push you in a certain direction in some ways of what what to include in your videos or what people are looking for? Yeah. So pretty early on when we started to see that growth, uh, immediately I started tracking what people were recommending. And this is something that very much sets our channel apart. We literally go through all of the comments we don't necessarily do it on the older videos. We'll do it on the more recent ones. What we usually do is like about three days to a week afterwards, we go through and we look at all of the comments, all of the song recommendations. I actually have an assistant that does this for me now because it takes so much time. Hold <laughs> I on. Did this I for think we Dimash should, we should hijack your show and tell people that what we want to see you talk about and then make everybody like... <laughs> like secretly like penetrate your comments so that like we're leaving little cryptic messages. Yeah. We're going to get all been... seven of our viewers to yeah. go and right. my mom, your, your my mom's at least yes. four more yes. people. Cause she's, <laughs> she's a Jewish angry lady. So, so and could, she will, she will definitely ben. fire yes. behind that keyboard all day long. Please. And she's a singer in a yes. barbershop okay, quartet. Cool. Yes. So please can, <laughs> please continue on your, your uh, tracking the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with Dimash, which is the one I started on right after Fifth Element, we were going through, or I, this is just me at this point, and I went through and I looked at every single comment and I put it in a spreadsheet and said, like, how many times, I even did like little tickers. That's such a Siobhan thing. My sister helped me with this at one point. <laughs> how many times has this song by this artist been recommended? What video did they recommend? Like what version of it? And I showed them that... Uh, that spreadsheet of the list and how many times it'd been recommended. And I think that really caught the attention of the community of, wait a second, she's listening. And right around that same time, we also, this was really helpful from my, my husband, from Kirk, who is uh, now the COO of the Charismatic Voice. He works full time with me now trying to uh, build community. How so cool my is goal that? isn't just to, right? I know. <laughs> it's so cool. We talked early on about what we wanted to do with the channel. And that kind of comes back to the, what's your purpose here? Our purpose isn't to make money. Uh, it is good to make money so that we can expand our reach, so that we can employ people. Um, because I, I think that that's a really good thing in today's, in today's world, especially. Yeah. Um, but the goal is to increase music and vocal appreciation and build a community of people that just love music and just love voice. And that to me is not just releasing videos. It's about communicating with the people that are watching. It's about having things like uh, a Patreon is like, I would say the core group of our community who catch things that I can't and that, and that Paolo can't, that Kirk can't, they'll catch them and they'll help direct people to the right place or uh, say like, Oh yeah, this thing here at this place 
we've just got a great group of people now, and I want to see that grow in particular. People who love music, yes. That's <laughs> amazing. That's great. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that this is something we've heard a lot, where having a clear vision of your purpose or your brand really makes a huge difference in the trajectory, you know, and how you do everything every single day. You know, so I think that's that's so important for people to know, like, what is my like my sentence mission? You know, like, what do I want <laughs> yes. to do? But you're but but the thing is, that's so important. It's it your energy transfers. So, again, back to Bob Ross, quiet, <laughs> the quiet energy. He's so important with those little trees. Brown ochre. Did you know that color before he told you about it? I didn't know about brown ochre. <laughs> but every time I see a brown, I go, is that brown ochre? Because it's been operantly conditioned into my mind. And I think that you have a quiet power with your voice. And, and, and it's because of the passion that you're speaking through. Because you want, like our friend Ollie, who plays on Lost Symphony, um, he always wanted to teach people. And it's so clear in your videos that you just love teaching things to people and the excitement that you have is real so the reason people i think it, it's so clear to me why they responded and why i responded is because i'm like if this is not real then she's really good at faking it <laughs> <laughs> it's very real i i really really love music and i really love voice it's like been my life to get to understand it and share it more I'm curious to ask, just because this is such a different world to me, what is a day like in your life? You know, like how, how many hours are you spending on content creation or like, I'm curious for someone of your scale, you know, with your number of followers, what, what are you doing on a daily basis? Like what are, what are your days like? Yeah, well, it has been shifting a lot. So it, it's hard to say patterns. And that's partly because uh, we brought Kirk in to work full time with us in November and until then, I was doing all of the video editing myself. So now oh my most of the video editing is in his hands, which is such a relief. It That was taking so much time. And um, let's see. He also takes, uh, does a, a, takes head on uh, the Discord channel or Patreon and like really trying to get events going there. And then I'll come to them rather than needing to organize them as much. So... He's taken over essentially half of, of my job right now. So anybody that's starting out, just take that with a grain of salt because know that uh, community management and uh, editing videos takes a ton of time. So Corey um, knows. Corey's like, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, is Corey's that guy like, yeah, right now is editing work? Ben and me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Right? Corey, so you know, if, if you have time to do anything else, we haven't given you enough. I, you know what? It's As funny he though. Takes a drink I, of whiskey. I, yeah, I feel bad for Corey. I, I do this to my husband though too, which is funny that you say that because I'll like make violin videos, but I hate video editing and I'm so slow That's at rough. it. So I totally appreciate how long it takes. And I like once he was like, "Oh no, you're doing it wrong." I'm like, "That's great. Why don't you just take that job?" Because I definitely don't want it. I just right? want to play. I don't want to edit the video. Yeah, it's it really is time consuming. So I totally appreciate. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'd say my days, there's some that are always broken into emails or responding to messages or comments. So there's always going to be a decent chunk of time to do that. I teach one-on-one -on -one lessons. I still have my regular studio of students that I teach. That's been getting smaller because I just don't have enough time. Um, so I've been trying to You're actually cool size for school. down on me. <laughs> Um, You're laughing because it's true, but that's an odd, well, what a high class problem, right? <laughs> it's a good problem to have. I have uh, an online course. It's a 
demystifying singing. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> yeah. But I know, right? Demystify. I mystify the whole room with all the smoke that comes out of my head, and you demystify it. You're like the ionizer to everything that I do. <laughs> I love it. The ionizer. <laughs> You're the ionizer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have a, it's an intensive singing course, and I usually have a couple of groups going through that at the same time. And they have lessons as well, and group sessions, and recordings that I give them feedback on. So we have that going. Um, I record a lot of videos every week. <laughs> so that my main recording day is Sundays. Usually I have group sessions for the course on Sunday mornings. And then Sunday afternoons I and to the evenings, I just try to knock out a bunch of reactions, as many as I can do. I would say the average that I can get recorded in, on a Sunday is four, but I'm like, I'm wasted afterwards because yeah. it's very intense listening. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll get that recorded. You're listening to like Hailstorm and like Nightwish and Halloween. So like <laughs> I can only imagine no, if like you're in, that. I'm sure you're better it's off now at this point, but like in like that small apartment complex that someone's walking by and they normally hear you going, me, 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 me. <laughs> and now they're hearing like rainbow in the dark. No, but I think it's, it's the, the it's the analytical listening. And I understand because I, I had to yeah. do an exercise today for my Berkeley class where it's like, oh, pick a song and listen to the mix. Like, where is everything in the stereo field? And like, what are the effects? And I picked a Taylor Swift song and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like listening and you jamming would. out to this. No, but Basic. Second, you're no, but, so basic. But it sounds it's fun to listen to. And then when you have to listen critically, you're like, oh, my God, I'm exhausted yeah. after listening to yeah. this, like trying to Noise identify fatigue. these things, you know, to explain it to somebody else. It's hard. And she has really good production. Yeah, so that yeah. mixed by like Serban yeah. Ganea, I think. Uh, yeah, he does, like, I was yeah, I didn't know. One of the best mix engineers out there, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, and then you yeah. also have uh, Max Martin, who's who's literally like my, my, I know, but I'm saying my hero in life. Like if I could be anybody in the music industry, like he is the Backstreet Boys. He is TLC. He is <laughs> like, he's, he's all those songs, except he's a Swedish guy with like, looks like he's in a metal band. You know what I mean? And, and the fact that he wrote all those tunes, like it's amazing. And of course they're like, oh yeah, why is Taylor Swift sound awesome? Because she's working with the best mastering person. And like if you look at on a histogram, it's like perfect, that's, that's, that's red, red, red label perfect, <laughs> whatever. And yeah, and, and everything that she does, of course, it sounds. Did you great check the odometer on that mix too, Ben? I did check the odometer, <laughs> and the barometer on the hydrometer <laughs> is at fifty percent. So right and now we're flying at a great anyway, altitude. Back, back to your your schedule there of a full day of recording <laughs> on Sundays. <laughs> anyway, I understand that you would be exhausted after intensely listening to. Yeah, yeah it's a lot for your brain. It's a lot. Yeah. So, I, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that tends to be really heavy uh, private lesson teaching days for me. And uh, I fit in meetings where I can. During the week, I block out an hour each day. I call it my sacred hour. That is when I get to practice. So I will go to my piano and practice singing uh, or, you know, play and sing a song. Uh, I might also practice beatboxing because I am taking lessons in beatboxing. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love this. All right. Right. It's so fun. It's so fun. Um, and I also work with a, a speech pathologist who sometimes coaches opera singers. So I work with her as well, uh, just on my own voice techniques. So I think it's really important to keep doing that. And um, on the Thursdays and Fridays, I try to schedule lighter days because I might do extra video recordings. Uh, we have a lot of patron events. Um, so Wednesday and Friday, I always have live chats with patrons as well. 
and we try to do, there's Beat Saber recordings that we do, because again, video game nerd, and playing and slashing blocks to awesome music is like one of the best ways I can enjoy a song. So we have uh, we have Beat Saber recordings that we do sometimes. There's basically lots of extra recordings that we need to do. Sometimes it's just me recording for an all vocal project that I'm working on, or maybe recording uh, something singing for a video game somewhere that'll come out in five years if it does. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's a, a lot of different yeah. things. I try to take Saturdays off. Sometimes on Saturday mornings we play Dungeons and Dragons though on Twitch as part of our Patreon as well. Are, are you the dungeon master? <laughs> no, that's my husband. Are you the gatekeeper? But, um, sh- <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! No, I am. I'm the key I am master. a chief. Are you actually a key master in a Dungeons and Dragons? Game? No, you're, that's a Ghostbusters That'd reference. Yeah, I was. Like, I, was <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to. I was trying to out geek you. You're trying to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, by the way, I do have a D32. I was gonna, I was rolling it and uh, to see if I should out geek you, and it said yes. A D32. And you yeah, failed. it's not a real. It's not. It's <laughs> not a real die. So you know, it's like I want that note. <laughs> on that. On that note, you've been twenty twenty. We're, 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 we're coming to the end of our our first hour with Elizabeth. This is um, the end. My only friend. I, the end. We don't I, need to hear I that. Think, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning a ton here. This is this is fascinating. Um, I definitely want, if anyone has not yet checked out Elizabeth's channel, The Charismatic Voice on YouTube, thecharismaticvoice.com, is that right, for the, your website? Yeah. Which has those courses that you were talking about, which I think that uh, we should probably take. Master so I can courses. learn more stuff. Um, <laughs> we should all take them, yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> anything else that you would like to plug away at the moment? Oh, well, if you want to be part of Patreon, like, it's just that I told you that's where the community hub is. Mm-hmm. So you can find me, Charismatic Voice, on Patreon. We sometimes play video games with our patrons and slay them in Among Us as well. So if if you're into that or if you just want to talk about music and about how much you love a vocalist, like that's the community for you. So it's cool. You can find us there. Very cool. We'll put Amazing. links in the description of this video. Like and- Zelda? Yeah, we can talk about Zelda music. Well, yeah, you said links. Sure. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, that links. Like link. a link to the past. Ben, link, don't link, do we always do an extend oh, like the, the end of our episode. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're done. Bye. And then he goes on his 20 minute rant. So we're going to just cut it there. You've been 2020, <laughs> but stick around for later this week. We're going to have, hopefully Elizabeth will stick around with us because she might There's decide so she hates us because the reaction has not necessarily been great. <laughs> <gasps> what? It's been wonderful. From it's been her. wonderful. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank our you pleasure. for affirming Thank that you. the reaction actually was wonderful. It made me feel way better. <laughs> 2020-D.com. We'll see you next time. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. As mentioned, visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 70, featuring Burton Roberts, TV producer and former Survivor contestant. Check it out. When you're spending your own money, you're super conscious about where every dollar goes. How can you do things absolutely the most efficient way? And so we started from the bottom up. So our budget is zero. We're gonna put a little bit of money in as we need it and keep working up. And so that's how we've always looked at budgets. You take someone who starts at the top, all they know how to do is spend a lot of money because they get a lot of money. And so they start spending all this. And so a lot of times what really helped us is we'd go into um, you know, pitches or we'd be talking to Travel Channel, Lonely Planet, a lot of these different companies we end up working with. And when we came to budget, we'd always try to get a sense of what they had. 
you know, obviously from a negotiating standpoint, and whatever they throw out, I'm like, okay, look like it's not very much, you know. And then we walk out like, dude, that's so much money. <laughs> Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.